This episode is sponsored by Paleo Valley's pasture-raised chicken sticks. I'm super excited to share Paleo Valley's brand new pasture-raised chicken sticks. These chicken sticks are made from 100% pasture-raised chicken and organic spices that are preserved using natural fermentation rather than preservatives. So yes, no fake stuff or additives here. These chicken sticks are sourced from regenerative family farms raised on American pastures and each stick is free of chemicals, antibiotics, pesticides, and added hormones. Paleo Valley's chicken sticks are a perfect snack packed with 7 grams of protein and frankly, a great value without skimping on quality. Make sure to support this podcast and head over to paleovalley.com slash nwj and use code nwj to get 15% off your order. Thanks again for listening and supporting this podcast. Hey guys, it's Judy from Nutrition with Judy. Thanks for joining me today. While you're here, please make sure to like and subscribe. If you're listening to this on podcast, please make sure to follow. My name is Judy Cho and I'm board certified in holistic nutrition and I have a private practice where we focus on root cause healing and that often starts with the carnivore cures all meat elimination diet. Today I have the pleasure of sitting down with Dr. Isabella Wentz. She is known as a thyroid pharmacist. If you have struggled with any thyroid imbalances, you have probably heard of her and her incredible work as she has released three best-selling books in regards to thyroid function. She has gone through her own healing journey when it came to thyroid imbalances as well as adrenal health. And in this interview, we talk a lot about her own experiences and what she has found that will help move the needle for healing. Dr. Isabella Wentz is an internationally acclaimed thyroid specialist and licensed pharmacist who has dedicated her career to addressing the root causes of autoimmune thyroid disease after being diagnosed with Hashimoto's thyroiditis in 2009. Dr. Wentz is the author of the New York Times bestselling patient guide, Hashimoto's Thyroiditis, as well as the bestselling protocol-based book, Hashimoto's Protocol. Dr. Isabella Wentz has a new book coming out called The Adrenal Transformation Program, where she shares tidbits to support your adrenals back to optimal health. The adrenals and the thyroid function is all connected. They are all part of the endocrine system. If you suffer from some type of thyroid imbalances, you likely are also suffering from some type of adrenal imbalances. They often go hand in hand because again, they are all part of the same system that works together to find balance. In our conversation, we talk about so many important things, and I know that some of these tidbits can help you. Let's get right into the interview. Hi, Dr. Isabella Wentz. I'm very excited to have you on my channel. If you can introduce yourself to the people that are listening and watching and just tell us a little bit about your um, adrenal and thyroid journey. Hi, Judy. Thank you so much for having me on your show. I'm so excited to be here. So I'm known as the thyroid pharmacist. And in full disclosure, I haven't always been interested in thyroid health especially not while I was in pharmacy school until I had my own diagnosis of Hashimoto's in my twenties after almost 10 years of some pretty like confusing symptoms where I went from doctor to doctor and I was told like, it's in your head, you need antidepressants. Um, you're just getting older, you know, just all of these like really, I think well-meaning, but likely disempowering things until finally I pushed for a little bit more testing to get done because I was having like I mean, I had IBS, acid reflux, I had allergies, I had panic attacks, I had anxiety, I had um, carpal tunnel in both arms, I had like the cold intolerance and just awful, awful, awful fatigue. But like what really got me was like, I'm a Leo and I started losing my hair. 
And I was like, uh-uh, something, something's like going on here, right? And I just pushed for more testing and I ended up with um, elevated thyroid antibodies and subclinical hypothyroidism. And so that's when I was diagnosed and I was told, you know, you can kind of wait around and wait until your thyroid burns itself out and then you can get on thyroid hormone. And I was like, okay, that's, that's not super helpful. And I saw an endocrinologist who said, your hair loss is not related to your thyroid, but you could start on thyroid meds. And then I go to see another doctor, like a dermatologist. And she said, your hair loss is related to your thyroid. And I'm like, okay, so I'm getting all these different mixed messages. And I'm like, is there anything else I can do other than take thyroid meds? And the answers were like, take thyroid meds. Like there's nothing else you can do. And I looked at my pharmacy school notes. There was like nothing else you could do, but take thyroid meds. And I was like, well, is there anything in my lifestyle that contributed to this? Is there anything I can do to make myself feel better and to maybe get rid of some of these symptoms that the thyroid meds only help a little. And that's how I became a Hashimoto's expert slash human guinea pig. And I've written (laughs) three books now on Hashimoto's. Um, Hashimoto's the root cause talks, you know, about my personal health journey and all the research I did to get myself better. And I was so excited to get this book out into the world because I wanted to kind of take like all of my like hardships and then turn them into something positive. Like most of my twenties, I was like chronically fatigued. And I was like, if I could just like take this and it helps one person, then like, it'll all be worth it. Right. And then hundreds of thousands of people have now gotten the book and been helped by it. So it it was about 10 years ago that I published it. And I'm just, in a way, I'm grateful of going through this health experience because it's helped me to find my purpose. And that's to help people heal. That's amazing. That's an amazing journey. And I think a lot of people in the wellness space ends up coming here because they had their own health journey. But, you know, just from everything you've researched and now being an expert in it, what is it about thyroid? And I, I know you have a new book now with adrenal health, but what is it about thyroid health and what is causing all this excess autoimmune and illnesses that are now so rampant in the community? I would say the the kind of categories of things I've broken it down, looking at the patterns and the research are going to be excess toxins, nutrient deficiencies, impaired stress response, chronic infections. And those are kind of some of the, the main categories as well as intestinal permeability or a leaky gut. So the latest research talks about autoimmunity, what it takes to manifest, and there's going to be the genetic predisposition. And then there's going to be a trigger, like some of the things I just mentioned. And the third piece is going to be intestinal permeability or leaky gut. And all of these three things need to be present for the autoimmunity to manifest, which means that we actually have a roadmap, right, to reverse it. Because if we address the triggers or if we address the intestinal permeability or maybe address all those things, we end up feeling significantly better and you can get an autoimmune condition into remission. So do you see in your community um, people that actually reverse their autoimmunity, especially Hashimoto's and Graves' disease? Oh, absolutely. Yes. Yes. Okay. That's amazing. This is a daily occurrence, right? And so these will be like clients that I've worked with. And they're also people that have just read my books and taken charge of their own health. And I'll get messages from people. um, You know, I'm on Facebook and Instagram and email and sometimes even my book reviews you'll be able to like, see if you follow me on social media, you'll be able to just see for yourself, lots of people commenting how they've been able to do one of the things that I maybe talked about, and then they'll be able to get themselves into remission. So it's really beautiful community of really empowered people that are taking charge of their own health. 
That's amazing. And then is there a reason why there are more women than men that struggle with thyroid imbalances? There is like, it's huge because for every like one man that's diagnosed, there will be like five to eight women that are diagnosed. And there's a lot of theories behind this. And sometimes, you know, maybe estrogen plays a role in this, maybe pregnancy, childbirth might play a role in this. And there's also women, we tend to put a lot more um, products on our, on our faces and our bodies. Right. And so there's also like the theory of various toxins. Women, of course, might, are usually going to generally weigh a bit less than men and that we're smaller. So perhaps we're impacted by our environment a bit more intensely. And then there's um, kind of the thing that like unifies it all together. Cause there's just so many theories out there is I feel like women, we are particularly in tune with our environment because we have this incredibly important job of bringing new life into the world. And our bodies are going to be very sensitive to like, is this the right time, right? And thyroid conditions, they impact our fertility, right? That's one of the the big things that thyroid issues can do is a woman will have issues with her libido, Women may have trouble trying to conceive. Women might have multiple miscarriages. They may not be able to carry pregnancy to term. And they may also not be able to, um, that their children may be at risk for health challenges. And then women with uh, thyroid issues may also be at risk for issues with lactation. So there's, there's just this whole thing that happens um, from a fertility standpoint that I think is super important. And then just my thought process is adaptive physiology is what's happening is where our bodies are always trying to protect us and help us survive. And so when we're sensing through our environment that we're in like a critical state where we need to really focus on survival and not on thriving and reproduction, the body will kind of do that for us and shift into autoimmunity and shift into um, adrenal dysfunction and thyroid issues. Makes sense. Of the three factors you brought up, do you see one factor being a bigger? I know you said all three sort of need to be there to be the perfect storm. But if I was getting myself into thyroid land trouble, would there be one factor that starts rearing its head first, would you say? You know, I talked to so many people over the years and there's always a question I ask, and that is what was going on in your life before you were, you were, you know, having your health symptoms, right? Was there something going on? And majority of people will say that they were experiencing some kind of stress. So they were, they had a death in the family. They had been going through a divorce. Maybe it was a positive stress, like going to graduate school or, you know, getting a big job promotion with lots of extra responsibility or starting a family, right? Or getting married, moving across the country. So that is a big thing that I would say majority of people, like 80% of people are saying. Some people will say like, oh, I had this nasty infection and never really covered from that or... I, you know, I was exposed to something toxic like um, Chernobyl, for example, a lot of the people within that community that were close to that event when it occurred, they ended up with all kinds of thyroid issues, you know, thyroid cancer, um, thyroid autoimmunity nodules, so on and so forth. So, um, so most people, I would say stress plays an important factor in it. No, that And that makes a lot of sense since it's part of your metabolic health. And if your thyroid gets imbalanced. And I know we're going to talk about adrenals, but if there's a big life event that happens or some type of trauma or stress, then I can see it imbalancing your whole health system. So that makes complete sense. 
So how does stress and I mean, adrenals and thyroid play a role together? Um, it's very interesting because people are like, so you're like the thyroid pharmacist. Like, are you going to be like the adrenal pharmacist now? Like, why are you talking about their adrenals? Right. And the two are so closely related. I would say the majority of people that I've worked with and myself included, I was like my first, you know, patient, um, have some degree of adrenal dysfunction when they have an autoimmune thyroid condition. And it's to the point where I've done testing on a whole host of individuals that were you know, coming to me on the earlier side of their healing journeys when they're still struggling with a lot of things. And 90% of them had some degree of adrenal dysfunction, right? And there's a big feedback loop between the thyroid hormones and our cortisol. So for example, if you have too much cortisol on board, or you even if you don't have enough cortisol on board, the body is going to produce something called the reverse T3, which is uh, the inactive thyroid hormone, which binds thyroid receptors, but doesn't activate them. It just kind of like sits there. Right. And then the active thyroid hormone isn't able to like turn on the thyroid receptors. And so a person just when they're stressed, even without having any kind of, you know, thyroid autoimmunity, thyroid abnormality, their thyroid function will be impacted and they may actually have like thyroid symptoms. So they may have weight gain, brain fog, fatigue, hair loss. Right. And just trouble, you know, kind of, kind of being present in life. And that is actually like the big connection there. And then the other thing that happens is when a person starts on thyroid medication, I will see people say like, I was so excited to start on thyroid medication and it made me feel better at first. Then all of a sudden within like a few weeks, I was starting to get really fatigued again and what's going on there. So getting your thyroid hormone normalized, optimized can actually uncover adrenal dysfunction and low levels of cortisol because when we don't have enough, when we're hypothyroid, the body will try to compensate by reducing the breakdown of cortisol out of our body. And this cortisol kind of sustains us. And so people will say like, um, you know, they they have some like the wired and tired energy, right? And once they get on thyroid hormone, their cortisol clearance normalizes, right? Or increases depending on dosage. And so they may actually become low thyroid or low, have low levels of cortisol that becomes unmasked when you correct kind of the one deficiency. And so a lot of times you have to do both. You have to address the low thyroid and you have to address the cortisol compensation, right? And get that stabilized and normalized for full healing to happen. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense in my practice. I see that often too, when someone has um, hypothyroid and it's more common than hyperthyroid, but I'll always see some imbalance of either sex hormones or adrenals. And I think of it all as the endocrine system. It's all one. I think of the thyroid as the composer in a sense, and all of it has to work together well, otherwise it imbalances. So I can absolutely see that even though people will focus on, oh, I'm an adrenal coach, but really they have to also look at thyroid. So I can totally see how you would really know all of it, like the thyroid, the um, sex hormones, and all of the parts of the endocrine system that get impacted, which also includes a small part of the duodenum of the small intestine as well. So I can absolutely see how you were impacted by both and then become an expert in both as well, because I never see them really separated that much. Yeah, our hormones don't live in like a vacuum <laughs> apart from each other. They all talk to each other. Right. 
Yeah. So what role do you think environmental illness plays on adrenals and even thyroid function? So people talk about, okay, you've got like adrenal issues and there's just so many, like so much controversy about what causes them. Right. And so some people will say like, oh no, it's not adrenal issues. It's mitochondrial dysfunction or no, it's not adrenal issues. It's like copper toxicity it's not adrenal issues. You're actually hypothyroid. And there's just so many different directions that people can take with it. And my understanding of it is the adrenal dysfunction is basically the body's way it responds when it's been under chronic stress. So no matter what this trigger and the stressor, so this could be like mold exposure, mold exposure is going to impact our mitochondria and it's going to put us in that chronic stress state, right? Like anything that overwhelms our system, right? So whether that's like too much sleep deprivation, or maybe that is going to be psychological stress, it's going to be stress from food, um, blood sugar imbalances, or like these hidden toxins, environmental toxins that we can be exposed to like mold being, I feel like the most devastating one for a lot of people, as well as infections within the body. So things like H. pylori and um, any kind of inflammatory infections that are residing in our digestive tract. So I think it's a very important role. It it can absolutely be the trigger for adrenal dysfunction, right? And for thyroid issues. I feel like everybody that's affected by by environmental toxins, environmental illness is going to end up with some degree of adrenal dysfunction in my experience. Okay. So it sounds like really any type of stressor, it could be environmental, it could be mental, it could be trauma, but your body then reacts with a I guess the symptom of your thyroid starting to become imbalanced or your adrenals becoming imbalanced and you just need to figure out that root cause and whether it's, um, again, environmental or trauma, you have to also fix those core root cause issues, but then also supporting the body from an adrenal and thyroid perspective. Is that correct? Yeah, absolutely. And I would say when I first started working with clients, I would do a lot of like root cause work and we would focus on a lot of lab testing Mm -hmm. And that sometimes that could take a long time where you get the test results and then you, you know, you have a follow-up consultation and it could take a while to feel better, but doing things to rebalance your stress response and sending your body, like when you're in a, you know, inflammatory state, your body's getting all these stress signals. Right. And so we're figuring out how to like tip the scale so that instead of being overwhelmed with stress, we can add some safety signals and then we end up being more balanced. Right. And then at that point, it's, you have more energy to actually work on your health and do all of the changes, right. That you may need to do in your life. Right. Right. And then let's just take a step back in. What is adrenal dysfunction? So I, I mean, some people think, I don't think I have adrenal. I know I'm hypothyroid and I take thyroid medication, but What is adrenal dysfunction? What does it look like? For many people, they will say they have trouble waking up in the morning, or maybe they just like get startled when they wake up in the morning. They will have brain fog throughout the day. They'll have fatigue. They'll have like blood sugar crashes or energy crashes where they feel hangry, oftentimes around 3 3 p.m., where they're angry and hungry and irritable and tired. Um, They might have trouble falling asleep and they might have that feeling of like wired or tired. They may have wakings in the middle of the night. They might have unrefreshed sleep. Generally, people will say, I just feel tired, overwhelmed, irritable, anxious. I keep forgetting things. Some of the physical signs might be like salt cravings, sugar cravings, caffeine cravings, um, wine cravings. These might be some of the things that 
that occur. People might have sensitivity to loud noises, sensitivity to bright lights. They will stand up out of their chairs, right? And then they might feel faint if they stand up too quickly. If somebody were to like come in and say hello to them in their office and they have their back turned, they might just like jump out of their seat like we're sitting right now because they're just they're just like on edge, right? So those are some of the ways that um that people experience this. And people might have slightly different variations of how they experience it, but generally I would say if you're just feeling like burned out or wired by but tired and just edgy, these are really important signs that this is going on. And and, and it ha- can happen to anybody, right? You don't have to have like any specific diagnosis. Like anybody can be in this state. Hey guys, just to let you know, my Carnivore Cure book is back in stock. For nine months, it was out of print and used prices were up to $300. Make sure to get your copy today that has over 200 colored tables and graphics and over 400 pages of meaty goodness. We have a limited supply, so get your copy today on Amazon.com. And if you can leave a review, I'd be super grateful. Yeah, and I think we live in such a um, chronically stressed society now and just our the, all the toxins in the world and just the stress of society at large right now too. Um, a lot of the integrative doctors will say, well, you have adrenal fatigue, you need to stop caffeine, you know, wake up to um, the circadian rhythm. I do think it's beneficial, but, and then they'll say, maybe you need some DHA or some types of um, sex hormone uh, supports. Is that the way that you recommend it? How do we start supporting our adrenal function so that we don't feel a lot of those symptomologies? I think, and I, you know, I, I used to recommend that as well. And I did that earlier on my healing journey. And then as I started working with more people, I I would say I would work with pregnenolone, DHEA, sometimes refer them for hydrocortisone. If their cortisol output was too low, I would say like, you need to quit caffeine, sleep 12 hours a night for 30 days straight. And then um, I kind of started seeing some issues with that because some people were like not comfortable taking pregnenolone and DHEA because they're hormones. And it's something you do have to do with a practitioner. You can't like do it on your own. And I'm a big proponent of like self-empowerment and people taking charge of their health. And then there was like, some people can't tolerate DHEA. It can overconvert to estrogen or um, this really annoying hormone that causes back knee and chin hairs. Then we had, you know, like the, the sleep thing, like just go to sleep for 10 to 12 hours. And some people are like, I would, if I could like, can't do it. Like, what do you want me to do? And so I kind of started realizing at a certain point where I was like, you know, what is going on here? And is there something else deeper going on? Is there like a root cause to this? And then I um, became a new mom and eight months into my motherhood journey, I was like, I was like, I thought children were supposed to sleep when they're three months old. Like, wait, nobody told me that they like some of them won't, right? Um, And then some of them actually do need to eat throughout the night, right? Because they're not like gaining enough weight and and whatnot. And they might have needs for that. So eight months, eight month old baby, and I'm waking up every two to three hours. And I'm like, I get to test my adrenals because I'm not feeling so great. And I ended up with like flatlined adrenals where I just wasn't putting out enough cortisol throughout the day. And this was a pattern I had when I first like got on my healing journey and was able to heal that, right? but none of the same resources were available to me. So I'm like, I can't take hormones because I was breastfeeding. You know, I can't sleep for 12 hours a night. Like, you know, I've got this baby to take care of. Right. And then I was like, okay, I'm not quitting caffeine. Like I had just started drinking it. Um, you know, the, 
one of the fastest ways to get into adrenal dysfunction is sleep deprivation, right? Mm-hmm. And so I've always known that and I was kind of expecting it. And yet here I was, and I was like, man, what can I do now? And so that's when I came across and just started kind of going back into my toolkit and trying to figure out if there were other ways I could send myself safety signals and just to really tip the scale for myself. Cause I know like hormones were not available to me and sleep wasn't available and whatnot. And I was like, I can't quit caffeine. I have no energy. I won't be able to like take care of my baby. And so that's when I came up with the adrenal transformation protocol and it worked really well for me, like within three weeks. So I decided I was like, I'm going to test this on clients that like don't have babies that aren't nursing moms, but let's see if it helps them too. And sure enough, it did. So we've had over 3,500 people go through the program now. It's been released seven times and like 92% of people within three to four weeks, their brain fog improves. And then we have like 80 to 90% success rate with with fatigue, a weight gain, um, trouble waking up in the morning, sleep issues, libido issues, irritability. Um, and I'm like, okay, I need to get this out into the world. Like, um, haven't published a book in a few years, but this is something brand new. That is, um, I guess like a different path to healing that could definitely complement if you quit caffeine and sleep lots. And it could definitely complement the steroids, but it also really gets results on its own. And I just thought I wanted to get this message out into the world. I think that's so powerful because I have that same issue where people will say, I'm trying to do all the things that everyone says to do for sleep, but I just can't sleep or I can't stay asleep and I'm wired um, in the middle of the night when I wake up and I can't go back. And they've tried every single thing that we've just discussed. And it sounds powerful to know that there are other things we can do. The safety signals you're talking about. What are some of those things as um, just to give a few examples that maybe people can try that are not able to sleep and um, that they are having that wired, tired experience throughout the day? I love talking about this. I'm very passionate about sleep for these days, right? (laughs) So one of the things that can really help is how you start your day. So starting your day off with um, bright lights in the morning. So going outside and just getting that sunshine can really set the pace for your circadian rhythm for the whole day. That tells your body that it's time to make energy. It's time to make cortisol. We hear that cortisol's bad, right? It's only bad if you have too much of it. Right. Actually, you need it to like have energy and sustain life and to lower inflammation in the body. So you need just the right amounts. And typically you need more of it in the morning. And the bright lights in your eyes can be so helpful for that. The other part that I recommend is doing um, doing something that can help with um, waking you up in the morning. And one of the things I like is the adrenal kickstart. It's orange juice with some good fats such as coconut and then adding some electrolytes as well as protein to that. For people that have low glucose in the morning and blood sugar swings, a lot of times this can be very helpful and corrective for them, give them some more energy, focusing on eating generally more protein and fat throughout the day to balance your blood sugar is going to be helpful. Lifestyle things that I focus on are like a sleep routine. So doing like an Epsom salt bath where you get into this warm environment, and then you end up um, coming out of that and you're loaded with magnesium, which helps to which helps you fall asleep and stay asleep and sleeping in a dark, cold room. These things can be very much game changers for about half of the people. And then for the other people, I also focus on um, utilizing something like myo-inositol or something in the evenings to support blood sugar balance. So a lot of times people have trouble with 
night wakings, like the 3 a.m. night waking, if they're not blood sugar balanced. So utilizing something like that can, can be a big game changer for people. And then I also kind of part of the protocol is focused on utilizing, like kind of addressing some of the the patterns of sleep disruptions and the nighttime routine can definitely help you fall asleep. And then blood sugar balance is going to be for the frequent night wakings for the people that have, or blood sugar balance is going to be for the 3am night, night waking for people with frequent night wakings. A lot of times that can, has to do with ammonia production that can be um, overwhelming for our system and various things that can produce ammonia are, would be things like H. pylori in the gut, not digesting our protein properly. Certain people with gene mutations might have this. People that are constipated are going to be at risk for building up ammonia into their in their system. And then they just end up with like the frequent night wakings. A lot of times people with histamine issues and glutamine, glutamate issues, they're kind of fit that pattern. And the way that I focus on clearing ammonia from the body is utilizing um sarcomyces boulardii, which suppresses our exposure to various toxins and focusing on, on magnesium and bowel promotion, as well as utilizing carnitine, which is actually not just helpful for clearing ammonia, but it's also supports our mitochondrial health and our blood sugar and a whole bunch of other things. So you end up being able to sleep through the night when you utilize just card kind of targeted supplements and nutrients that get depleted when we're under a lot of stress. And, and that includes like the blood sugar imbalances that, that can occur as well as the mitochondrial imbalances. Okay. That's that. Yeah. That's um, really fascinating. Um, what would you say to people that work nocturnally? So I know that's kind of hard, um, but a lot of the night shift workers. So how would, I know it's really hard as it is because they're living a, just a backwards life in that sense, but are there ways that they can improve their lifestyle? Maybe their sleep patterns? It's so tricky. And I know I have a lot of um, friends who have worked night shift as nurses and pharmacists, and I've done a lot of research with like how it affects people with Hashimoto's. And unfortunately, people with who work night shift tend to have higher rates of Hashimoto's and higher rates of inflammation and thyroid antibodies. I'm not personally aware of anything that could like really mitigate the effects. I think for short term, if you're going through that, right, I would really focusing on maximizing your sleep. If you can take something like glycine when you're sleeping, that will help you maximize your sleep. Epsom salt baths can help with deep sleep. That's been my observation. It hasn't been like a research study. I haven't been able to track that down. And then really focusing on utilizing some of the nutrients that get burned through sleep deprivation. So such as I already talked about um, magnesium and then electrolytes, B vitamins, vitamin C, those are some of the other things that get depleted. And then what I have, I've created a tired mommy protocol that definitely helps symptoms. And that includes choline and that includes fish oil, benfotiamine. So these things can be incredibly helpful for like healing the brain and healing the body when it's under a lot of stress. I have, um, I have like a foundational protocol that's four weeks long in the book that focuses on just a few core, like 14 core strategies and includes a few supplements. And then I have like the back of the book, there's like specific things. If you're dealing with a like specific issue, like the tired mommy protocol, or if you're dealing with libido issues, or if you're in perimenopause, like what are some of the additional things to consider? Like if you're in perimenopause, you can't sleep, you know, progesterone, 
might be what you're missing. Right. And I, I kind of have like this advanced section that, that has a lot of these scenarios as I've had a lot of um, um, people go through the program and ask questions on how to modify the program to their unique needs. And the um, definitely you want to support your body because you're in a sleep deprived state when you're not aligned with the circadian rhythm. Ideally, nobody would have to work night shift, but you know, it's, I'm grateful for the people that do and help to take care of us all. Yeah. I love that um, you customize or personalize the symptoms or cases based on So here's like the foundation of how you need to heal. And then here's everything based on your individualized needs. And that's pretty powerful because that's pretty hard to find nowadays, to be honest. It's just, here's what everyone should do for adrenal function or imbalances. And here's what everyone should do for thyroid. But the fact that you do that, it just shows your, obviously your expertise to define that. And I'm sure so many people will find that helpful because a lot of people will say, well, my case is different because of X, Y, Z. And so now you're kind of spelling it out because you're right. A mom that just had a new baby will have a different need than somebody that's going through perimenopause. So I think that's super helpful. Saying that it was very, um, it, I actually personally lost sleep over it, trying to fit it all into a book, right? But made it happen. So <laughs> that's awesome. So how fast do you see people heal? Um, whether it's the thyroid protocol that you recommend or, or the thyroid support protocol or this adrenal support transformation? Um, So as far as symptoms go for the adrenal transformation program, within three to four weeks, we have like brain fog, morning fatigue, um, kind of the irritability, anxiety, the, um, the sleep issues and libido, all of these things do improve within that time period within three to four weeks. And then um, as far as like thyroid function, generally, like you'll be able to see a trend with that within the first month, but it takes about 90 days to see the kind of like the, the real effects of the intervention. So my Hashimoto's protocol book is a 90 day plan for that reason. So you go through at least 90 days because that's, that's how long it takes for a lot of the antibodies to drop and for, for cells to turn over, but like, really you can, you can create, um, get rid of a lot of symptoms in just three to four weeks, which I think is like amazing because so many people walk around with symptoms for so long and they think they're just destined to feel that way. Do you find that for thyroid antibodies, that dairy is a big culprit for the increase in antibodies? (laughs) Yeah, unfortunately, I do. I know there's all kinds of different dairy out there and that there it can be very helpful for a lot of people. And there's a lot of benefits to it for a lot of people. It's popular with keto, right? But about 80% of people that I've worked with do feel significantly better off of dairy, they get triggered by dairy, they might have digestive issues, they might have antibodies, they might have skin breakouts. And so this is something that is part of my protocol when you're going through it and you don't have to be like off of the foods forever, but like, see what happens if you go to for 30 days. Like I've had some people that are like, I'm having all these issues and I, I like my butter and my coffee. And I like my, you know, like adding just a little bit of this milk to my, you know, so on and so forth. And I'm like, okay, well let's just, or ghee or even something. I'm like, let's just be like, take 30 days and just remove that and just see what happens. And for some people it's like, oh, no difference. But for other people are like, holy cow, I had no idea how much this inflammation this was causing in my body. Um, Me personally, I had like three years of acid reflux and irritable bowel syndrome and carpal tunnel that went away within three days of going dairy free. So, um, so yes, I hate to tell people that, but yes, 
<laughs> it's true. Yeah. I had a recent client where her antibodies were maintained around 35 and I can't, I think it might've been the TPO AB one. And I think she just added dairy back and then she tested and it was 300 something. And we tried different things and we finally decided let's just try to cut. And I think she just added a little bit of cheese and butter. And that was it. It wasn't like she did a bunch of dairy. And once she removed those, it went back down to normal. And it, yeah. And she was so sad, but I mean, it just made her feel so much better without the dairy. So even though she didn't feel the symptoms, once her markers started going up and she started having digestive issues, we just were like, it couldn't be the dairy. It's so little, but it just proved us wrong. Yeah. The tricky part is with the antibodies and, you know, you kind of see this clinically is they could be elevated for years before symptoms develop. Then, you know, once the symptoms start develop, then after that, there's, there will be a change in TSH. Mm-hmm. So that can be like an early immune response and, you know, giving long enough time, she probably would have developed additional symptoms and, and potentially more dysfunction, but it's amazing that you were able to catch it and help her get in tune with that. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, she, she was struggling with Hashimoto's for a very long time. And I think as she was healing, she's like, oh, I think I could try dairy and she couldn't. So it's, but it's fascinating. So it's unfortunately, that's one of the things I have to recommend people cutting and the egg whites is another one. I don't know if you also see that with egg whites at all. So I used to be more like the autoimmune paleo and recommend that for a lot of people. And I did see that. Um, I think there was, it was less than dairy, but, but still a significant Thing. Like I would say grains were the kind of next biggest thing. So okay. gluten, dairy, soy, and grains, sure. and then kind of eggs after that. One of the things that I've, I've noticed, and I'm not sure how relevant it is in your practice, but a lot of the people that had uh, egg sensitivity also had issues with sulfur. Okay. So I found that helping them address like sulfur tolerance was really, really helpful. So I have a sulfur protocol that focuses on like butyrate and molybdenum, okay. uh, adding that into the system and clearing out some yeast. And that ha- seems to have worked for a lot of my clients. So I'm not sure if you've worked with that protocol or not, but um, that like, you know, initially we kind of get off of that. And then I kind of work on like, how do we give you more ability to tolerate histamines by improving, cleaning up your gut and putting you on some P5P and then how do we get you to tolerate glutamine and how do we get you to tolerate sulfur foods? So yeah, initially I feel like there's a lot of elimination that needs to happen and then we can start adding foods back in. I haven't been able to figure out how to add back in gluten unfortunately, but, um, but yeah, maybe one day, right. Is the sulfur protocol in one of your books? It's in my Hashimoto's protocol. Okay. Okay. I'll have to look at that. I I have that book. So, and that makes a lot of sense because I'll see some people where, um, we'll do some symptom burdens and then we'll see that they, they have a deficiency for molybdenum. And then I do have some people that say they're sensitive to sulfur just from years of testing. So I've never made the connection. So I'll have to definitely take a look at that. That's pretty fascinating. It's so fascinating. And it's, it's very interesting because that can turn things around too quickly. There, you know, I'm always, I'm trying to study like the, the pharmacokinetics and the metabolism of various foods to see if I could come up with some of the patterns of how they're metabolized in the body to like, what are we missing? Like, are we missing digestive enzymes? Are we missing cofactors? Right. And so it's super fascinating and super complicated, but like exciting (laughs) when you find some little tweaks like that, that you can make for a client. Right. Yeah. And I think 
by you doing that, that's probably why you're able to see these transformations because you're finding that missing link by looking at the biochemistry of it all. So that totally makes sense. You know, as we're wrapping up, do you find that there are just things that all humans or all of us should do in the wellness space that will really fundamentally make our health better? I mean, for for me personally, like I find time in nature to be extremely, extremely healing. And I feel like we could all use more time in nature just being able to step outside, enjoy the sunshine. This can be incredibly powerful way of sending safety signals to the body. And then I love, personally, I love Epsom salt baths and I would like recommend them to every single person in the world, right? They can be very relaxing, no matter how, like whatever day I've had, if I'm stressed, if I'm achy, if I over-exercised, if I under-exercised, right? You can get it. I could get into a Epsom salt bath, super stressed out. And I could come out like, oh, I feel good. I'm be so okay. <laughs> so do you like floats? I've never done it, but um, several of my clients recommend doing those floats in those rooms where it's super dark. It's all magnesium. Have you? Oh my gosh. I have done that before. I loved it. The only thing is if you wear contact lenses, watch out because <laughs> like- you get a little bit of that salt in your eye and that does not feel comfortable at all. So it is something that it like, I think um, the first time I did one, I had just come off of a, like a flight from, okay. from the US to Canada. And we were, went to Vancouver Island at Dave Asprey's house. And it was okay. like a really long travel day. And I had to like wake up super early and you know, whatnot and finished up a bunch of stuff. And I was like, oh, I'm so achy and kind of kind of stressed out. And then like, I sat in that float tank and I was like, oh, you know, I'm like walking on clouds right now. So, so you can kind of do a little bit of that in your own bathtub with some Epsom salts, right? Do you recommend doing it daily or is there just a certain amount of that even the uh, magnesium Epsom salt baths, could you do it daily if you chose to? I feel like for the, for the people that go through my programs, if they're in a really depleted state, okay, and if they're under a lot of stress, I do recommend doing it daily. Maybe you start off with like one cup in a bathtub, 10 to 15 minutes a day. If you don't have a bathtub, get like, um, like a little salad bowl or a basin and, and, you know, put your feet in there mm-hmm. and have some warm water and a little bit of Epsom salts. And that can be really helpful. The topical magnesium, there is some clinical experience with people actually being able to normalize DHEA, their youth hormone with that. um, I have the aura ring and I used to get like 40 minutes of of deep sleep, but doing the Epsom salt baths, I'll get like three hours. And so just, it's very amazing for how it helps your body recover and magnesium is like a cofactor for like 300 different uh, processes in the body. So like it is something that if you can, I would work it into your wellness routine. Of course, it's not for everybody. It can dry out your skin. Um, I don't recommend putting a lot of essential oils if you have lady parts <laughs> into the bath, right? So that that might um, affect like vaginal flora. Okay. So definitely there are considerations to it. You may want to shower off the salt. It can be drying for your skin, but if you can incorporate that into your routine, it can be super, super helpful. Well, thank you so much for joining me today. I'm actually implement your adrenal transformation for some of my clients too, because I think a lot of people, just the symptomologies you talk about, it affects so many people nowadays, especially where can people find you? Where can people find your books? And if you work with people, where can people work with you? So I have my website called thyroidpharmacist.com. And if you go to thyroidpharmacist.com slash ABC, I have the ABCs of adrenal guide. So I've just created that for people. They could get that for free. 
And then um, I'm on social media. So Dr. Isabella Wentz, thyroid pharmacist on Facebook and Isabella Wentz PharmD on Instagram. So definitely my books are available on Amazon, Barnes and Noble, wherever fine books are sold. I have the Hashimoto's protocol, the Hashimoto's root cause, Hashimoto's food pharmacology, which um, are really helpful for people to to really take charge of their own health and recover their health. Cause I know it can be challenging to find amazing people to work with. And then the adrenal transformation protocol is my latest book. So that's going to be out on April 18th. Okay. Well, thank you so much again for your time. I, um, I know that you've, I personally know that you've helped so many people. Um, my clients have talked about you too. So thank you so much for everything you do and just for, you know, using yourself as a guinea pig to then help so many people in the community. So thank you for everything. Thank you so much, Judy, for having me. And thank you for the amazing work that you're doing. Well, thank you. Okay. I'll talk to you later. Bye. I hope that you found this interview helpful. There are so many people that suffer from adrenal imbalances or thyroid imbalances. You may just find some benefits with a lot of the things that Dr. Isabella Wentz recommended. A lot of these tools I already use in my clientele. She talked about benthothiamine. I think it's vitamin B1 or a version of it. But we use that a lot when we see autonomic nervous system imbalances. There's a lot of things she brought up that I think are such powerful gems that most clinicians may or may not know. Taking a magnesium bath or using magnesium topical spray is something that anyone can do. And it actually can even stop from some cardiovascular events occurring. I hope that this interview was another lever to help you get to root cause healing. Make sure to eat a lot of meat, take care of your bodies because it's the only place you have to live. I will talk to you later. Bye guys. Thanks for listening to the Nutrition with Judy podcast. If you liked what you heard today, please make sure to leave a five-star review on your favorite podcast app so more listeners like you can find the show. If you want more practitioner care and support, head over to nutritionwithjudy.com slash groups so you can get more real talk about carnivore, the environment, and root cause healing. You can also find my content on Nutrition with Judy's YouTube, Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Make sure to sign up for my weekly newsletter and learn more about in-depth articles with infographics at nutritionwithjudy.com slash articles. You can find my two books, Carnivore Cure and the Complete Carnivore Diet for Beginners on carnivorecure.com and amazon.com. At the heart of Nutrition with Judy's practice, our mission lies with a deep, unwavering passion for service and community. We will continue to empower you to have the knowledge and tools to live a life nearly symptom-free because we firmly believe in healing and wellness for all.